Judge, your honor, how are you? Good, how are you? I'm delighted to be speaking to a member of the bench without having to first say that I solemnly swear to tell the truth. It is a refreshing change (laughs) for me. And that music can only mean one thing. The Delaware Valley Journal is on the air. The official podcast of DelawareValleyJournal.com, where we provide you stories you can't find anywhere else on Bucks, Chester, Delaware, and Montgomery counties. I'm Michael Graham with Inside Sources. Who is the reporter who digs up most of the dirt that you need to read? Well, when I look for dirt digging, I turn right to Linda Stein, managing editor of Delaware Valley Journal. How are you? Well, I do like to garden, Michael. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's a good start, Linda. Uh, So as you know, um, there are some row office elections coming up. We've been keeping an eye on them at uh, Delaware Valley Journal. And uh, we've also got some some, uh, judicial elections going on. And have you noticed, Linda, that some of these races, particularly the race for state Supreme Court, have been getting national attention? The Politico just wrote a big story on how it's the the uh, Supreme Court race here is one of the most important races in the country this year. Have you seen that? Yeah, it's amazing. And so when anytime we can be at the center of attention, of course, we want to be there. And the person to get us there is Judge Carolyn Carluccio, the Republican candidate for Pennsylvania State Supreme Court. Your Honor, welcome to the podcast. Well, thank you for having me, Michael. It's a pleasure to be here. So put your right hand on the mic and say, I solemnly swear to tell the truth. No. <laughs> It's fine. So I, I wanna, always tell the truth. So I want to ask you the p- big picture question before Linda Stein starts peppering you with the tough specifics. What caused you, what mistake did you make or moral failing to become an attorney? Because you can't oh, become like a judge attorney. unless you've been a lawyer. You you must have made a terrible mistake somewhere along the way. You know, the truth is I always <laughs> wanted to help people and work with people. This is true. And so I thought I, I was either going to go in the Peace Corps or, or to law school. And my father was not thrilled with the Peace Corps as a choice for me at that point in time. So I ended up in law school. <laughs> um, so so I, just to, for background, uh, I grew up in an evangelical household in rural South Carolina. And my mother's told me, Michael, my dream for you is that you will go to Oral Roberts University, uh, go to Pat Roberts's law school, become a lawyer, become a judge, achieve the Supreme Court and overturn Roe versus Wade. Wow. And I remember saying to my mom, mom, I'm eight. I have no idea what you're talking about. But in fact, Roe versus Wade was overturned and it is having an impact on how voters are looking at your race in uh, here in Pennsylvania. So could you explain, you know, kind of the cocktail party barbecue, you know, backyard explanation of where what you would do as a court as a as a Supreme Court justice would and wouldn't overlap with the ruling that the court made, which said there is no constitutional uh, right to an abortion. It is now a medical procedure that can be regulated the same way as a, you know, appendectomy or whatever. What 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 does that mean for you and your judge and how should uh, your job and how should people view it? So I have to be completely honest with you. I do not expect an issue of whether or not abortion is legal to come before our court. It's not going to happen. The Democrats have made this an issue because it's an issue they think they can win on. 
the, the truth is this U.S. Supreme Court and Dobbs decided that it was not a federal issue, that nine people up there should not be deciding for the entire country whether or not abortion was constitutional or illegal. They didn't even make a decision about whether it was legal or constitutional. They simply said it's not a federal issue, that each state should decide for themselves whether or not, um, whether or not, what kind of state they want to be. And right. that's kind of how it ends up with that. And when they left it for the states, what they really did is they left it for the legislature, along with the governor, to decide what rules they were going to have governing each state. The Supreme Court itself in Pennsylvania, the law is very clear. The law in Pennsylvania, and not many people really fully comprehend this, is that a woman has the right to choose whether or not she gets an abortion up to 24 weeks, which is just about six months. Thereafter, with the two doctor's notes, I believe she can still get an abortion. So that's the law. It is not going to come before me. It's not going to be overturned. My job is not to comment on that law. My job is to apply that law. As a judge, that's all I'm supposed to do. I want to I want to follow up one thing because I I I'm not a lawyer my, as much as my mother wanted me to become one. But <laughs> I I I I think I want to dispute when you said that they said they left that's not a federal issue. What they said is it's not a court issue. In other words, yeah. The Congress could pass a law that says America is going to, for example, do what France does, and it's going to limit late term abortions for the whole country. But the the point, but the point that's relevant for you is that the legislature and not the Pennsylvania uh, judiciary will be deciding if there are any changes at the state level. Do I have that right? Exactly. It's not an issue for the courts is what they said. Yes. Yeah, that's why I, th- I just want to make sure because yeah, sometimes it fair. gets confusing. Now mm-hmm. we're done with the dumb person part of your interrogation, <laughs> Judge Carlucci. I'm going to hand you over to Linda Stein now. So you're the first woman who was elected president judge of the Montgomery County courts, right? That's exactly right. And that was unanimous. The Democrats on the courts and the Republicans all decided you, you'd be the best president. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I'm really proud of that because right now Montgomery County, as you know, it's a very blue county and all of our officers are Democrats and um, the judges are more Democrats than Republicans. And they unanimous, unanimously chose me as the president judge. The president judge gets elected by the, all the judges on the bench. There are 24 on my je- bench and they all agreed. And so what that says to me is that my, my judges were able to put politics aside and pick the person they felt was best equipped to be the president judge of our county. And there was a lot facing our county. Um, those at- attorneys or people who are litigants that have had cases in Montgomery County understand that during the pandemic, we were essentially closed down. And when I took over as president judge, we had backlogs in both the civil and criminal divisions that were really unheard of. And I'm really proud to tell you that uh, in the civil division, about a month and a half ago, the legal intelligence or front page said Montgomery County has the lowest civil inventory it's had in over a decade. So I was able to wow. not only get rid of the backlogs, but to get rid of what had been there clogged for a long time. And the way I did it was I made changes. I'm not afraid to make changes. And I do them in the way that I think it's best suited for um, our litigants and our attorneys and our courts and the people in our county. And it worked. And we did it in the criminal division also. You know, if it doesn't work, I'm willing to make another change. But I'm not afraid to pull the Band-Aid off and do what's got to get done. And that's what we did. So you're also a former uh, assistant U.S. attorney and you were a chief public defender. That's kind of like opposite ends of the spectrum there. 
It really is. And, and and that really gives me balance, which I don't think everybody has on the courts, that I was a federal prosecutor for nine years in the U.S. Attorney's Office. I was in the criminal division. Um, I had some very large scale cases. I traveled throughout the country prosecuting some of the biggest drug dealers around. Um, I handled bank robberies, gun cases, uh, you name it, we handled it. And then I went and became the first female chief public defender in Montgomery County. So it gives me that balance where I really understand what it takes to protect our communities. And right now with the crime, the way it is, that's such an important element. But I also understand that everybody accused of a crime has constitutional rights that need to be upheld and observed. And so I understand that too. So it does give me that balance. Is that what you mean when you say you'll bring balance to the Supreme Court? Well, that's part of it. The other part of it is that the Supreme Court right now in Pennsylvania has seven seats on it. There's five that are considered Democrat seats and two that are considered Republican seats. It's been that way since at least 2015. And I think everybody can agree, whether you're a Republican, Democrat, independent, five to two is not a balanced court. And we can also all agree that any government entity works better when there's balance, when you have differing viewpoints, when you have different backgrounds and you have different people coming together. And so I think that even if I win, we're not going to, the Democrats are not going to lose their control of the court, although you would think they would by the way they're acting with this race. Um, all it's going to do is bring balance to the court, which I think is much needed. Um, so the courts have been losing respect, I think, uh, amongst a lot of people, and as it, I think all of government has. Um, uh, what would you do to uh, help the courts uh, regain the respect and the trust of uh, general people in general. I, and, and I think that's a huge issue. And the first thing that I think that has to happen is politics has to get off the courts. I do not have an, a political agenda. I don't have a personal agenda I'm bringing with me. I'm going because I um, I really revere the rule of law and I want to apply that. And that's all that drives me. No ideology drives me. And I think of course have become far too political. Um, I also think that I became the president of the state trial judges conference in July. So that is in charge of the, the conference that has all the trial judges in it. And one of my platform was that we as judges are responsible for educating the public. And the more that we're in the public educating them as to our role, what we can and cannot do, the more people are going to understand it and not be attacking judges the way they're attacking judges. It's, it's, not a good way to have our system. There certainly is not going to be any faith in our system uh, when our, our courts get bloodied. And to be honest with you, this race um, has shown a lot of what's not good about what's happening with the judiciary. Uh, the attacks have bloodied both of us, frankly. And as I said, at some point, one of us is going to be there and neither of us right. is to the end of this. And that really is sad for the judiciary, for our legal system. But sh should there be... Uh, popular election of judges. M most states don't do it. There are a lot of objections to it, specifically because of this idea that you're uh, interjecting purely partisan politics. And what would you say to um, to people who say, look, I'm just a Democrat, and so I don't even care about your qualifications, uh, Your Honor. You, I've heard great things about you from Montgomery County. I just don't care. I'm just going to vote against Republicans because that's what I do. That's the moment that we're in for our other politics when it comes to president or U.S. Senate, whatever. Why wouldn't that show up in the election for the courts as well? Yeah, it really shouldn't. And that's the biggest problem. I mean, it's gotten even more narrow than that in this race. It's pretty much if you're against abortion, I will not vote for you because you hate women. 
And that could not be further from the truth. I don't hate women. I am a woman. I've been fighting for women's rights my entire career. I've broken more glass ceilings than I like to admit were even there to break. Um, I've been bringing women along with me and elevating women the entire time because I know if we don't look out for each other, nobody else is going to be looking out for us. Um, and to be attacked by a man as saying that I'm anti-woman it's really kind of offensive and people are believing that narrative. It's gotten that bad out there. Um, wow. And and they've also painted me um, into a corner, the far right of my party with no evidence to support any of those views. I've never given my views on anything because frankly, they don't belong here as a judge. We as judges have, especially in Pennsylvania, we have some pretty strict canons of judicial conduct. And one of those says that we cannot indicate how we might rule on a particular issue that might come before us. And I hold that very near and dear. And I don't do that. I haven't done that. I haven't promoted any kind of endorsements I've gotten. Um, and I certainly have not even, I, I don't have any national money coming in that I'm aware of. It might be there. I don't, I'm not aware of it. My opponent has got millions and millions of dollars coming in from national political action groups that are advancing a particular agenda. And I think that becomes very dangerous. And although electing judges has a lot of merits, uh, this part of it has is very dangerous for our entire system. Well, when you talk about um, upholding the laws as they are written and avoiding judicial activism, what exactly do you mean by that? So I mean, pretty much exactly what it says is I'm going to uphold the law. There may be laws that I don't like or I don't agree with, but it is not my job to change that law. If you want to change a law, you must go to the legislative branch. They're, they're uh, judges and change the law. That's where we have chaos because the three branches of government, very clear in our constitution, which has upheld us for a very long time, they're each distinct and we are not to take the job of the other. We do have checks and balances, but that does not mean that the judicial branch should assume the role of the legislative branch. Um, and an activist judge, there's a lot of criticism of our U.S. Supreme Court for being activists. I reject activism, whether it comes from a Republican or a Democrat judge. It does not belong anywhere. Judge, what did you learn in your travels? I think you went to all the counties in the state of Pennsylvania during this campaign. Uh, what did, did you learn that surprised you? Um, I, I guess I learned a few things. One is that everybody, it doesn't matter who I was talking to, they felt very strongly that politics does not belong in our courts. That was a uniform message. It was everywhere. So for me, that was a great thing to hear because I am running on that platform. I also found that they were. it was refreshing for them to have somebody with a lot of energy and interest and, and passion for the law that's interested in this position. Um, I've learned that there's still hatred out there, and that's pretty sad uh, based on very little information. I've learned that the public doesn't generally understand what judges do. Um, but I also learned there's amazing people in this Commonwealth. I've learned that the, the countryside is beautiful. I've learned that um, whether you're from a city or a more you know suburban or a rural area, you still have problems. And there's a lot that the people in this Commonwealth are going through. And there's a lot of, uh, there's businesses that have been shut down and people are struggling. So I was able to see their businesses. I was able to talk to them. Um, it has been an incredible experience and I truly have loved most of it. So let's uh, wrap up with a message from you to the legislature, because you're already a judge. So you're already uh, interpreting and applying laws yeah. that they've passed. And I'm betting that there's some days that you're looking at the law they've passed as they've written it. And you're going, 
were these people drinking? What the <laughs> heck is this? So is there two questions? One is what would your big picture advice be to the legislature about the laws that they write and the, the appropriate place, you know, for the, the, the state to step in and not to step in. And then secondly, is there a law that you would like to send back and say, Hey, come <laughs> on folks, take, take another look at this one. It's, I get what you're trying to do, but it's not quite there. Look again, I stay in my lane and my lane is not to talk about the laws they write. I, my only message would be do your job, do the law, write your laws. I'm not going to criticize you right now. I'm going to take a look at the law. I'm going to decide if it's constitutional and then I'll apply it. And that's pretty much what I'm going to do. Look, these social issues come and go and the legislature needs to deal with them. But I, you know, my constant is the law and not the social issues. And that I will serve as a guardian of the law. And that's what I promised to the people of this Commonwealth. And I'm going to ensure that justice, justice is delivered fairly, consistently, and in line with our constitution and the principles that have guided our Commonwealth for centuries. Judge Carolyn Carluccio, thank you so much for joining us here on the Delaware Valley Journal podcast. We really appreciate your time. It's been a pleasure. Thank you to both of you. Thanks so much, Judge. Thanks so much for listening to this edition of the Delaware Valley Journal on the air. If you enjoyed the podcast, please share it with your friends, post it on social media. And if you haven't, sign up for our twice a week newsletter so you don't miss any of the terrific content from DelawareValleyJournal.com. Thanks again. I'm your host, Michael Graham.